<laughs> when, when I get the call tomorrow <laughs> that hey, that uh, hour-long podcast that we recorded, yes, yeah, uh, I actually did. I actually didn't. Hey, welcome back, season two, Grace People podcast. We are back with the 2021 fall edition. It's good to have you. Today we are jumping back in and we have Senior Pastor Darren Vick of Community of Grace Lutheran Church, which is uh, the church that actually sponsors and puts out this podcast here at Grace People Studios. Pastor Darren has been a friend of mine and the pastor of this church for um, about two and a half years. So we'll be talking uh, church life, pandemic life, ministry life, all kinds of things. And uh, it's really an opportunity for you to get to know who he is. I've really loved getting to know who he is over the past couple years and uh, really couldn't ask for a better partner in ministry as we do this whole thing. So uh, as we're exploring grace in every corner of our community, why don't you explore grace? Uh, what happens right here at Community Grace Lutheran Church? Here is season two, episode one with Pastor Darren Vick. We are here with Pastor Darren Vick from Community of Grace Lutheran Church. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Excellent. Did you just come from a thing? Yeah, just coming from a thing with some people doing some stuff, you know. Awesome. So, awesome. I'd expect nothing less. <laughs> oh, so Pastor yeah. and I, we've been, we've become friends more than coworkers and, and uh, you know, pastor congregant or whatever. We're just, we've, we've become friends and it's been awesome. So just glad to have this conversation with you because a lot of people have not had the pleasure of meeting you yet. So today sure. I definitely want to take an opportunity to get to know you, give other people a chance to hear just a little bit about you that they may not have heard, or some people heard it when you were arriving here two years ago with your family, uh, two and a half years ago, and they've forgotten by now. <laughs> right. So give people a chance to remember who you are. So let's just start with you. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, a little about the family, and go. You bet. Um, well, born and raised here in Minnesota, uh, actually over in New Brighton, Minnesota. Uh, so spent the first 42 years of my life in Minnesota. Um, uh, and if I've said Minnesota many times, it's because Minnesota is like really in my heart. <laughs> I, I love this state. I love this place. I love this region, this community. Uh, I love the people here. It's deeply, deeply ingrained into who I am. Mm. Um, so uh, uh, met my wife. Uh, in middle school, if you can believe that, wow. uh, Angela, yes. Uh, and by met, I mean, like, she saw me in the hallway and was like, who is that weird guy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As is most middle school girls to most middle school boys. Yeah, well, and what yeah. middle school boy is anything other than weird? Yeah. Uh, so so she remembers that distinctly. Uh, but then we we became friends through high school um, and uh, and knew each other through drama and music. And Angela was also an athlete. And, uh, and then we started dating right after graduation, um, got married four years later, uh, in 1992. And now we have, uh, three awesome young adult children. Uh, my oldest Jared, who is 24, uh, my middle son, Ethan, who is 22 and uh, my daughter Kaylee, who is 20. So two of them are now post-college. Uh, one of them is, uh, just entering into her junior year at Gustavus Adolphus, and uh, so uh, changes of life, uh, but we've experienced a lot of different life uh, over our course of, of our journey, uh, both in faith and in occupation. Um, I served down in Sioux City, Iowa for seven years from 2012 until 2018. Uh, that was a big move for my, me and my family uh, to leave you're from Minnesota. Minnesota. Because I'm from Minnesota, man. Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. Totally, Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, and uh, so to be in Iowa or, uh, you know, hey, all I can say is thank God it wasn't Wisconsin, right? Um, oh. But oh, oh, I know. Yeah, Send okay. Send your hate mail to that's Darren right. at that's right. Exactly. I love Wisconsin people. They need Jesus, too. 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I love Iowa people. Uh, and we went down there um, and uh, and it was God's call and God's mission to serve a great congregation down in Sioux City, Iowa, uh, Morningside Lutheran Church. Uh, anybody who would happen to be listening to this, uh, if it pops up on your newsfeed or something from uh, uh, that's from Morningside Lutheran Church. Love you guys. Miss you guys. Uh, great friendships. Great people uh, down there. Um, and then uh, as we served there for uh, about six and a half years, uh, towards the end of that time, um, the, the call emerged, you know, which is how calls happen. Um, uh, something happens. There's a variety of events that lead to something like that. And, uh, and it became clear that uh, we were called back to Minnesota through Community of Grace Lutheran Church. Um, and uh, been here now for two and a half years. I love this place, love this community, and uh, really glad to be back here. Well, we're glad yeah. to have you. Uh, for those of you who might, you know, just be kind of catching up on the church history stuff. So Pastor Steve Turnbull was here up uh, through, was it, I guess, 2017, 18, 18, 18, I think. Yeah, 18. 18. yeah. I'm really good with numbers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, he went on to uh, Arlington, Upper Arlington. Upper Arlington Lutheran Church in Ohio. And yeah. so, yeah, we're looking for who's 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 the person God has for this congregation at this time. Um, and how did you, how did you, how do how were you found? Yeah. Well, you know, in our LCMC family, which is the, the kind of the, the branch, the alphabet soup branch of Lutheranism that we are Lutheran congregations and mission for Christ. Uh, we're not a huge family. Uh, we know each other. Um, and Steve and I have been friends, uh, for a number of years. Uh, so when, when things started shifting in Steve, uh, we didn't know about this, obviously this is, you know, it's always kind of quirky when you're friends together uh, and when you're still working through ministry and leading congregations and, and doing life together um, to to be talking about a call because a call affects the church that you're at as much as it affects the church that you're going to. Um, oh, sure. So, so Steve wasn't leaves a big yeah, hole. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So so, you know, we didn't know as a small group that I meet with with Steve online, uh, we didn't know that Steve was leaving and going to a new congregation until he announced it. You know, and it was at the same time that he let this congregation know. Uh, so it was a surprise to us as much as anybody else. Um, and uh, and through that conversation, uh, you know, he's just kind of he threw out to me at one point. It actually was an offline conversation. When we were done. He was just kind of like, hey, you know, obviously I love Community of Grace. They're going to be looking for a new pastor. Uh, you're from Minnesota. Um, have you ever thought about, you know, coming back or should I even mention it to a call committee there. You know, we're just, I, I want the best for this congregation. Um, and uh, I, the crazy that he would connect the best for this congregation with me. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I was surprised at anybody. Um, but, I want the <laughs> adequate yeah, for this congregation. Yes, yes, yes. I would like somebody who could really be passable there. Yes. Um, so, we have plenty of mirrors that need fogging. Are you up for it? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, so, so when he mentioned that, um, you know, that's the first, that was the first spot where this was ever before me. And, uh, and as pastors go through processes like this, we get inquiries regularly, Dan. I mean, uh, and to this day, probably twice a month, I get a letter, I get an email, I get something from some congregation who's looking for a pastor, wants to know if I'm interested. Um, and as a called pastor, it's always been my approach that you don't just dismiss those things outright. You don't just be like, nope, sorry, forget it. Um, you read the letter, look at what it says. Um, and as you can imagine, 99% of the time, <laughs> what it says when you're done reading it is, nope, I'm called here. This is where I belong. Um, 
And so in this particular situation, you know, when this was brought up and Steve brought this to my attention, I just went, okay, what should I do with this, Lord? Hmm. Um, and uh, and I, I thought about it. I prayed about it. Uh, I talked about it with my wife. And call processes are lengthy processes. Uh, and you and I've been through a number of them, and you never know where they're going to go, how they're going to end uh, until it ends. Um, so this first question wasn't a question of, are you ready to leave your call and go to Minnesota? Uh, I wasn't answering that question. The question I was answering is, would you be open to exploring what the Holy Spirit might be up to? Mm. Um, Which is a very different question. It is. It's a different question uh, because in many ways in life, there should, we should always be open to whatever the Holy Spirit might be sharing with us, teaching us, showing us. And it might not mean that there's a change. It just simply is a, a, a humility uh, in an approach before the Holy Spirit to be like, look, you're in charge. I'm not. Um, you have my call. I don't. Uh, so if, if this is of you, I will submit myself to a process to see where this leads. And, uh, and so after talking, I literally went home and talked about it with, with, uh, Angela and I'm like, Hey, who knows this may, there may be nothing that comes of this, uh, other than Steve may go back to somebody and say, Hey, there's somebody down in Iowa. You may want to add them to their list, you know, whatever. Um, so after that, I was like, yeah, okay, let's just let it go. Let's not talk about it. Not think about it. Um, and I didn't. Uh, and then the email comes, <laughs> then the email comes from the call committee. Hey, we would like to start a conversation with you. Now I'm not talking to Steve. Now there's real people on the other end of this communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and now it was, I come back, I sit down, I reached out to another pastoral friend of mine. I sat down with my wife and, and I prayed and I said, do I want to submit to this next piece of this? Because now it's just it's just the next step, and it could end immediately. <laughs> it could end in any way. But do I even open myself up to now? These are real human beings. Um, and uh, and I felt like, yeah, we should. And we prayed about it. And we said, yeah, we should we should listen to what they have to say. Let's let's listen. Um, so we did. You know, went through each of those steps, uh, and I think the place where where in a call where your heart really starts to shift is now when I went to see people face to face. Up to that point, it's a phone call. It's distant voices over yeah. someplace else. You're talking about life. You're talking about ministry, but none of it's all that real. And that comes from just some experience of having done this before. Been a lot of phone interviews uh, uh, over the years with different things and even ministry calls and been like, yeah, the next thing that you get back is an email saying, hey, thanks so much for your interest, but we feel like the Lord is leading us in another direction. Oh, great. No problem. Um, so you just, you don't connect yourself emotionally to it at that point. You're just keeping yourself open to the spirit. But then it was, hi, we'd like to meet you and come up and talk to you face to face. And that, then, then there's a shift. Then there's a shift in your spirit. Cause it's like, now I'm going to know faces of people. They're going to know my faces. We're going to be present with each other. Um, and, uh, and of course that's, you know, that's just part of the process. Yeah. Uh, and, and how long, how long so, from that start till, cause clearly yeah, you're here now. Right. Exactly. What uh, about how long was that process? That process, if I remember correctly, I want to say it was probably six months from beginning to end. Um, and, uh, and that's very common, uh, in, in call processes. And I I, to me, it almost seems a little short, uh, in well, some ways. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends, you know, it, it can be longer in some circumstances. It's certainly longer for the church. 
okay, the, the congregation that's doing this has to do a bunch of homework before they even right. start talking to people. So yep. the call process for the church is almost always about a year, um, if not sometimes even more, because you can get all the way to that end. There's conversation, there's prayer, you think it's right, and then <laughs> there's one more layer of prayer, and uh, and either side just goes, you know what, this isn't what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And that can happen anywhere along the line. Right. Um, so for me and my engagement in it, uh, it was probably six months. Um, uh, I want to say about six months from, from beginning to, to acceptance and saying, this is what I'm going to do. And then it was a little beyond that before I actually showed up <laughs> Yeah, on and Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday, yeah. first Sunday. So what was it, you know, as you, as you heard from the call committee, as you were exploring the congregation and learning about CGLC, what, what is it that. What are some things that, that stuck out to you that drew you that you're like, man, this, yeah. these are things that I am that are resonating with my heart. Yes. Uh, that's a great question. Um, there was so much through your website, honestly, <laughs> through an expression of values that were there that were so clearly articulated and they weren't couched in a bunch of religious language mm. that made it really hard to access like, Okay, is am I just going to look at your statement of beliefs and see the Apostles' Creed? Hey, Apostles' Creed's great. Okay, yeah. love it. That's awesome. Um, it doesn't show me something distinct about your congregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, as I looked here and saw things like that statement of faith, you know, online and the language in which it was brought, and I saw those values that. It didn't take me long to read those values Pop and remember quiz. them. Pop yeah, quiz. Let's go. Exactly. What are the Here five we go. values? You know, Jesus makes us family. Uh, deep roots make good fruit. Love pours out. Um, uh, invite first and next steps with Jesus uh, and be the church in the world. Ding, ding, ding. You know? Exa- yeah. And, uh, and honestly, it did not take long for those to sink in because they just felt so right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I looked at that and from a, from a pastor's perspective, I looked at that and I said, this is a congregation that's done its work. That's done the hard work, the hard work of really digging into who we are as a part of the kingdom so that that expression is clear out to the community around us. Um, a lot of congregations don't get there. They don't get to that place. Um, and, uh, and so when I saw it here, I went, wow, uh, how cool it would be to partner with what's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we all as pastors have a heart that goes, Hey, I want to, I want to see where the Lord wants to lead me as a part of leading this congregation. But honestly, sometimes that can just be a big ego trip, Dan. Hmm. Um, uh, and uh, how can I'm, I make my mark? Exactly. How church? could I go up there and fix them? Right. You know, right. uh, or I think I see all the things that they really need, what they're really doing wrong, that I could come in and do something about. Um, it's hubris. It's <laughs> it can yeah. be. So, uh, I looked at this and went, "Wow, um, they've done such great work here. It would be really cool." to be a part of a church that gets this. Mm. Uh, and if, if they get this, if they really do, you know, <laughs> who knows, <laughs> but if they, if they really do, or at least even if they've started the journey because they've put it on paper now, how cool would it be to partner with them and see what the next thing could be together? Uh, so that's what it was for me is, is it's like, I don't, I don't see a church full of a bunch of problems. They're full of human beings, so of course they're full of problems, right? right. <laughs> um, Just is. Exactly. But I didn't see in, in, in what was articulated through that website um, a church that didn't really know who they were. 
uh, I saw no. I think I think they're they're getting there, I th- and I think they've done the hard work uh, of, or at least the initial hard work mm-hmm. <laughs> of articulating it. Now I get to live into that, uh, and and it just it vibed with me. You know, I'm, I got I got it, and it it felt so. Um, I, I don't know a synergy. You know, I, it yeah. felt very synergistic with me of being like, I, I that's that's me. Those those things feel so much like me. Um, not to mention the the more obvious things <laughs> that I would say, which are this is a congregation that worships both in a traditional style and a contemporary style. Mm-hmm. Those are all the churches that I served as as an associate, as a youth pastor, as a senior pastor, uh, Lutheran churches that worship in both of these styles. So. I love both of them. I genuinely do. And I know that, that it's easy for people. People will catch on really fast if you're faking it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) People can catch on really fast if you're just giving lip service to it. Yep. Um, And honestly, not everybody has to like both of them. That's really okay. Mm -hmm. It really totally is. Um, And, uh, and I love people in the congregation who are like, no, I really, I need love it being up there and seeing a worship band and a the beat of the drums and how that just brings me into God's presence in a place of worship. And I just don't get the hymns and don't get that. I, I, I respect that. That's, that's perfectly all right. And others in the, in the other camp were like, no, I, I, my heart language just longs for the, the rich words of the hymns and, and the sound of the pipe organ and liturgical the liturgical confession. Yes, exactly. And- Each of those pieces. And, and I just, I don't get, I don't get the, the more rock band kind of approach to those kind of things. I, and again, I respect each of those, but they can know genuinely from my heart. I feel perfectly comfortable in both mm-hmm. um, uh, and genuinely find rich places of connection with Jesus, uh, whether it's through the liturgy uh, with a robe and a stole uh, or whether it's in a polo shirt and jeans uh, and, and leading a contemporary worship service and, and raising our hands before the Lord. All of it feels totally natural to me. Um, and, uh, and it's totally natural to those who are worshiping in those expressions through this church. For sure. So. Now we're, now we've got the third option. Yeah. yeah we've got the, we've got the, in, you know, the, well, the in-person yeah. traditional, we've got the in-person contemporary <laughs> worship. And now there's the online situation, yeah. which we've had, we've had streaming option for, I mean, we, we were broadcasting on TV, you yeah. know, uh, a dozen years ago or so, mm-hmm. uh, easy. And then, then it just became an online thing, but now it's, it's, it's become sort of an, option yeah. for worship. So as you see, you know, this is this kind of a, a COVID reality that's come about. It's, mm-hmm. it's really shifted mindsets and people have experienced this in a different way. Uh, thoughts, preferences, opinions, just how do you, yeah. what do you see in that? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I, I don't think I ever would have anticipated that that third option would be anything more than maybe just a kind of front door for people to come and participate in real church. You know, right, right. That was, that, yep. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, and now while I, I'm not settled on it um, uh, as to being like, is this the third way, you know, or is this a what I am is we've experienced it so intensely for a year that I recognize that those who are watching and experiencing this at home um, aren't just somebody who's church shopping, mm. you know. That that for some this is their lifeline. This is this is their connection to Christian community imperfectly. Um, uh, but as we've shared and talked about before, there's plenty of things that are imperfect about the way that we worship when we're in person too. Right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you it's know? not the perfect solution. It's either. not the perfect solution either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's another imperfect way. 
Um, and uh, and I think we owe it to this new venue, this this new concept, um, to give it the same type of of analysis, evaluation, um, a genuine commitment to saying, hey, just like we need to know that there's times where we got to move things around in the chapel or there's times where you want to use different songs or mess up the order or uh, change whether children are in worship with you or you know, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Just like our worship that we have done for a long time always uh, needs to be a place of uh, exploration, uh, experiment, um, uh, spiritual sensitivity, that this new venue deserves that too. That, that it's like, okay, it's it's imperfect. It's in its infancy. But what are we doing it that doesn't make it just a, a sideline um, or doesn't dismiss those who are engaging that way as if, hey, you know what? You really need to be here if you're really going to connect. You know, I, I tried to kind of even mention that a little bit yesterday in my sermon, that connection doesn't mean that by just watching this online you're now condemned, you know, (laughs) you know, some way of like, well, sorry, you're just a lesser person than the rest of us who get together because that's what it really matters. Um, Well, I believe connection with one another always matters. And sometimes we don't facilitate that very well in our regular worship settings. uh, What have been our regular worship settings. So this is, I think been a blessing in a way of, of us having to go back and look at all of these forms uh, look at each of these ways that we have engaged and say, what is it that you are willing to say, hey, Jesus, uh, or Jesus is telling us, hey, don't let go of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or what are the things that he's saying? Hey, man, you really need to m- move this aside because because I want to speak in a different way through this. Um, uh, because at the end of the day, it's all about making places for God to get to his people. You know, it's... That's that's that that heart that that we're exploring in worship. Whether you're in the building, whether you're online, that's right. Just like he's the the, the reminder from the Old Testament. He's the God of the mountains and the valleys. Yeah, like there is no place where he is not. Uh, that's whether right. Whether you're in the building, whether you're online, whether you're listening later, whether you're exactly. in community with people. Um, yeah, yeah. So how do we optimize that? Right. You know, how do we look at any one of those things um, uh, without you know drawing in too much? business language, you know, but I mean, but optimizing, you know, how do we, how do we look at it and go this, this, there's better ways of doing this. And we always want to be adapting to those things. Mm -hmm. So I think in that way, it's been a real, it's been a challenge. It's been a blessing. Uh, It's, it's caused me to have to think differently um, when we are in that place of worship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. And it's not the only area that we've been thinking about adapting, changing one of the big changes this year, our children's ministry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just want to touch on that for a couple minutes because it's a big shift for us for, Since I got here about five years ago, we've been having uh, our his kids is our children's programming and we have uh, children in Sunday school. And on the first Sundays of the month, we would have families in worship. That was the idea. That was the the hope is that families would come to worship together on the first Sunday. And then on the other Sundays of the month, the children mm-hmm. would go to Sunday school in the children's ministry center and they'd have a great time there yeah. uh, learning and growing and being shaped. And what we found out is that coming to church with kids is really hard. So, <laughs> so parents would just, they just stopped coming right. on the first Sunday. So it was yep. just like, well, if this, if there's no Sunday school, we're just, we're just not going to come. And it really just, just did the exact opposite of what we were hoping to do. Um, and, and families, because in the contemporary space, we're just doing communion the first Sunday of the month. Um, so families just weren't even receiving communion at all right. ever. Um, and so this year there's been a shift. Talk a little bit about the change there and the hope that uh, we have for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, in seeing what we tried before, 
and how it it really wasn't working, um, uh, we made the decision to double down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I got to be honest, you know, uh, in, in regular, you know, business language or whatever, you would look at that and go, well, that, okay, that didn't work. So we, we need to abandon that and try something else. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think this comes from a different place in our heart. Um, uh, because I think, uh, in, in understanding what it is that God uniquely has placed amongst us as a staff, as a congregation, as a people here, um, when we brought on Britta Molly, uh, as our new children's director, uh, as I've been a part of this place and as I have lived through what I would say is maybe my own personal confession of having been in student ministry for 10 years. Um, I lived through a period of time in student ministry when we were very siloed as churches, uh, there was this sense of come to church on Sunday and there's something for everybody as long as we're not together, mm. you know, <laughs> yes, come bring your whole family here, but, but we're not going to have you be all together. We just want you all separated off to your old, your age appropriate education. Um, and that's not all bad. You know, it's, it's all, it, I, I, I'm tr- I try to live more in the gray than I do in the black and white, Dan, as you know, right. uh, because as soon as you make a judgment that's like, that was all terrible. Um, well, then you're just going to make a new terrible. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. um, so so to give grace to that of going, hey, we were trying. We were we were trying to do something different mm-hmm. uh, of making sure that we were engaging generations at their levels, at their places of being able to to encounter Christ um, uh, and mostly from an educational perspective. Right. Um but I think that that educational perspective wound up also having a hint of a stylistic perspective. It became in some churches, well, that's the way the old people worship and engage. Mm. Now, this is going to be the way that we, the young people, are going to emerge and engage. And I watched a lot of churches where the, the crowning achievement of a student minister was to build a countercultural movement within the church of young people. And as long as there were enough of them um, and uh, and the parents were satisfied that they're that they had something that they could drop their kids off at, everybody was happy. (laughs) People would be like, that's okay that we don't really see them. That's okay that they're not really with us hardly ever in worship, Um, but they're happy. They're here, you know, and they're and they wouldn't be anywhere if they weren't here with that great youth minister doing that cool youth thing over there. Um, and I was a part of that, Dan, you know, um, uh, I, I was, I'm grateful that the environment that I was in, I think, uh, offered a better bridge for young people that they could feel a sense of, Hey, our worship and our experience here isn't so different from what's happening in a grown up church. If you want to call it that, whatever, you right, know, right. um, uh, at least in our contemporary setting. Um, but here now, you know, 20 years post that. Um, uh, I look at the engagement of the students who I raised up in ministry, many of which who, you know, were dedicated and committed. Um, how many of them are still connected with the church? Mm. Uh, and how many of them, even that I've remained personally connected with are like, well, my personal connection with you is really important, but I don't, I don't see the church as being that, you know, so in creating a countercultural experience that was so different and so uniquely stylized it accidentally, again, discipled yeah. them out of sort of, uh, quote unquote, normal worship, out of the the, tr- so. the the tradition of the church. Yes. And the history of worship where people yes. gather together to worship God on Sunday. Right. Uh, to celebrate the resurrected Jesus. Exactly. Together in yes. community without having to be flashy right. or super different. Right. Um, because it's 
less about the style and the way than it is about the we're doing this. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I think that's a, a good way to capture that, Dan. Um, and uh, so I think here now, you know, 20 years post that uh, at Community of Grace, I think we're looking at what we're doing and we're saying, hey, you know, even when we were putting together what we put together with a one Sunday a month, come and worship with your family. Um, and the other Sundays will be back doing regular Sunday school. Um, even in that, there can be a, a tendency to take that as, well, sure, we're going to welcome your kids and we want your family to be with us here and worship on that first Sunday, but we're not actually going to acknowledge them. We're not going to, you know, we're, we're not going to shape or, or have the service um, be adapted in any way uh, that says, no, you, we see you uh, and you are here among us. Uh, and, uh, and so when it's just a Sunday off, uh, who notices, right? You know, I mean, okay. we on Sunday mornings, I can honestly say I wouldn't notice the difference between a first Sunday of the month or any other Sunday of the month. There may be a few more families who are here. There may be a few more children who are in worship. Um, but there, there was nothing about the service that said, hey, we see you and we are all family here together. Um, so I think that's the part that is now the new experiment. That's the new place of saying when we're going to engage with with students and with children and with multi-generational families and with single moms and with, you know, you name it, who are in here, we want you to be seen and known that you are a part of the community here. Um, we, we want to have uh, our message engage in a way that any generation can engage with it and take something away from it. Um Without, without losing something in the process, without going, well, we need to abandon things like a creed or a confession. Or the Lord's or, Prayer. Exactly, exactly. Because I look back to my own childhood and growing up in the church, and there's a seamless memory in my mind. It's not clear when it was that I wasn't worshiping with my parents in church, in a worship service, singing hymns, listening to a sermon, uh, and hearing the choir sing, and learning some of the the, the pieces of liturgy that I still sing to this day, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, and and when I was in a classroom with a teacher learning something in Sunday school, I don't have in my mind a fixed place that's like, no, th- I only did this on these days, uh, but on these days I was only over here with with this. It was seamless for me. Um, And the memories that I have of being a young person in church aren't memories of the particular gospel that was preached that day, right? They they aren't memories of, of, oh, I remember the three points that were brought up by the pastor that day. No, they they were memories of the sounds. Uh, They were were memories of of the pew, you know, of of being shouldered on either side by my mom and dad. Um, they were memories of learning harmonies, um, in the music, uh, cause my dad was a great singer. Um, and, uh, and so he would teach me how to look in a, in a hymnal and look at the notes as they went up and down and realize that, oh, there's another part that you can sing in here. And he would sing it and I learned it. Um, and, uh, and so those are the things that, that capture my memory. Um, I remember those things. I remember what the candles being lit, you know, I remember kids coming down and doing those types of things. Um, so, so whatever those things were, they impacted me enough that they are a part of my memory of an experience with God's people in worship. 
I don't think I'm unique in that. I, I think if we go back and look at our our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters uh, or others who have been raised Which in I other yeah, Catholic right. happily for it, 19 it, years and yeah, all that stuff. Definitely. Exactly. Definitely me. It shaped you. Yeah. I think it gives credence to that. Like we can teach a lot in Sunday school and really good things. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there is more caught than taught. Exactly. And that's the that's what we really want to get into uh, our children and, and try to emphasize to our parents. Like, hey, if you want your child to have a vibrant uh, spiritual life, you need to have it. Yes. Uh, I hate to put those strong terms on it. But it's so true. <laughs> um, but your best shot at your children having a vibrant spiritual life is if you are participating in the worship life of the community and yes. your children are watching. Exactly. Because your children are watching. Right. And they're watching you when you aren't in church. And they're yep. watching the reasons you're not there. Right. Uh, and that goes for me and my kids, too. And yes. it went for you and your kids. Totally. Of course, you were the pastor. So if you didn't want to go to church, you didn't really have much. <laughs> I didn't have option. much of a choice, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, kids, yep. if you want to eat this week, you're yeah. going to work going right. to church today. But but you know, to say that, though, Dan, it's really, it's really true. And I'm glad you bring that up. Because I think um, we can also overemphasize that there's some type of idyllic family life that comes from being a follower of Jesus, that now if you do all of these things right, your children were, are going to be raised properly in the faith. That yeah, just doesn't um, work. No, it doesn't work that yeah. way. Um, but on the flip side of it, that exposure of being in community with other sinners, mm-hmm. <laughs> with other people who are imperfect, um, there is something that gets shaped in us by that. Because uh, while there are many wonderful things that I loved about my dad— um, uh, you know, reading scripture or prayers at home or things like that, that really wasn't a part of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did have an Advent wreath, you know, and uh, so we would light the candles around Advent. Well, that was connected to something that was happening at that church. And the regularly going and being present in church was a normal part of our life. Um, and so so that, that caught versus taught portion of it, Absolutely, we look up to the faith of our parents, and that is the first family, you know, and the first mission field is there. But as I look at my own family and my own kids, who I tried to keep as much of a normal life experience as I could being a pastor's kid, mm-hmm. you know, we spent an exceptional amount of time in the church building, around God's people, doing things from the mundane of, of unloading food into a storage room or picking up after a youth event um, uh, making coffee on Sunday morning, yeah. uh, to being there regularly in worship with God's people at many of the different types of occasions to do that. And I look at my children and I go, as much as I know that I'm not a perfect father, and there are plenty of places that I did not give this idyllic image of coming into my home and all you were going to hear were the angels singing and, uh, you know, choruses of praise playing on the radio all day long. It's like, no, that, that wasn't our household. But I look at my kids and the things that they picked up and the things that have become important to them have come more from being in the community with God's people than they necessarily came from me giving them a Bible lesson and a devotion at home. It was, they went, yeah, uh, uh, I, I want to be in worship because that's what we do. And ultimately the heart that I want for them in that is it starts with a, that's what we do because this is what my family does. But ultimately it becomes a, that's what we do because that's what the people of God do. And that's what I do because this is who I am. Exactly. Exactly. This has shaped me and who I am. Um, so I think that's that transfer. That's that place of, of the importance of community and of having our children now more engaged 
in our worship life together. That's the hope, Dan. Yeah. You know? Well, that's good. And I know we're, as we plan and figure it out, we, we don't have it figured out yet. And the first Sundays for a couple of months might look pretty similar to how they have looked <laughs> right. in the past. But the hope is that incrementally over this next year, uh, we're going to start figuring some things out and seeing what's, uh, air quotes, working. Right. <laughs> and what's not working. Yeah. Um, because we want, ultimately, we want to disciple families. Yes. Full families. Yes. Um, from from cradle to the grave. Exactly. Uh, all the way through. Yeah. So we talked earlier about the uh, the values, the five values, mm-hmm. and um, we didn't mention our mission statement, which is to be and make disciples of Jesus. Yeah. Which really is like that should be, as I've said before, that should be the disciple of every church. Yeah. Or really the, isn't excuse that, me, the motto, the the yeah. The, that's yeah. what Jesus. That's the mission statement of every church. It's the Great Commission. commission. Yeah. Go. Go do this. Do this. Jesus says do this. Go make disciples. <laughs> Baptize them. Teach them to obey all I've commanded you. <laughs> totally. Uh, and then, the, of course, the reminder that he'll be with us to the end of the age. Yeah. He's watching. <laughs> uh, but he's with us. And that's good news. Yeah. Because we kind of suck at things sometimes. Right. <laughs> no, that's right. Um, but as uh, you've said many times, and, and I love, you know, we take Jesus very seriously. Ourselves. Not so much, yeah. which is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a gap between our values. I, I perceived a gap when I got here. Of a gap between the the values and the mission. And there's some way that's like, what does this look like? You know, mm-hmm. and and I know I'd had uh, conversations with uh, Pastor Steve, and he he saw it, but we had trouble articulating it. And mm-hmm. um, but we, I like what you've added, and it's actually the, the tagline of this podcast. So mm-hmm. since uh, since it's your thing i'll let you say what our vision statement is yeah um our vision is to see grace in every corner of our community um and uh and you know i i sometimes struggle with being a visionary leader you know people seem to want to have a visionary leader Mm. um and so i wrestled with what does this mean here and and what is this all kind of about um but when it came down to it this call it a vision statement um came very easily uh because I think our values point towards this. I, I think uh, our mission points towards this, which is a, a vision about what grace looks like. We are a community of grace, but what does it look like when it's outside of these walls? Um, what does it look like out there in the broader community? Um, and where do the lines become fuzzy between those two things, which I kind of like, mm. okay, back to that gray thing. Yep. If somebody goes, well, grace in every corner of our community, wh- which community are you talking about? And I say, yes, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. That community. Now you're getting right. It. Exactly. <laughs> uh, because I think Jesus clearly made those lines fuzzy, um, about who's in and who's out. Uh, and sometimes, you know, when he wasn't making it fuzzy, it was always in the opposite, right? Yeah. When he wanted to make it black and white, it was, it was like, what you, oh, hey, uh, let me tell you something. Yeah. Um, I see that the uh, prostitutes and tax collectors are getting into the kingdom before you are. Yeah. Oh, ouch, mm-hmm. bam. Um, like, hey, people who are getting everything right, yeah. turns out that you are killing the servants of the king. Uh, <laughs> you probably shouldn't do that. Probably shouldn't but do that. But because of that, here's going to be the consequence. Ex- and everybody's like, what? Right. What? Who are you talking to? Who are you? Exactly. Exactly. Jesus. You know, that's that clearly that prophetic like that. edge of Jesus. Yep. You know? And um, and so I think when I think about this as vision, uh, that's why it starts off with the, that keyword to see. You know, it's seeing grace in every corner of our community. Mm-hmm. Um. It would be easier to have said bringing grace, 
right? Oh, yeah. Into every corner of our community. Because we you know, are the because saviors. we are the we saviors. We have the answers. Yep, exactly. Do we you are know? the church and we have every answer. Uh, of course. And by the way, grace wasn't there until you got there, you know? <laughs> and it's like, uh, no. Glad I could bring it. Right, exactly. Yes. It's uh, like uh, the potato ta-da. salad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's like, that, that's, no, that, I don't think that's nearly a big enough kingdom vision. Um, uh, I think to say that we want to see grace in every corner of our community awakens us and our sensibilities to say, where is God already at work? Um, and uh, I certainly didn't coin this phrase, but it's a great phrase of, you know, where is God at work? Uh, go join him in it. Mm. Right. You know, see what God is I, doing. I said that first. Right, I'm sure it was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was definitely absolutely. Me. Had yeah. be. <laughs> um, but uh, but the, that, you know, that is behind the heart of this is that God's already at work. So, and the work that we uniquely are called to do here is we are a community of grace. So now our vision is to see that grace in every corner of our community. And where you don't see it, by the way, well, of course, then you participate in what God is doing. You, you know, but start with what God is doing and then work backwards to how it is you're supposed to respond to it and how it is you encounter it. Instead of always starting with us, it's all about you, Dan, right? You know, it's all about you doing this. And if you don't do this, people are going to hell. If you don't bring this message, somebody is, is going to die. If you don't, while there is always elements of truth <laughs> that are related to that, that sounds so much like the law to me. That mm. sounds so much like condemnation because as soon as you tell somebody, hey, guess what? Unless you share this message with your neighbor, they're going to hell. Most of us will be like, well, I guess I'm going to hell with them then because mm. uh, I, I can't live up to that. I, I can't live up to a standard that puts it all on me. But we are invited by Jesus to see things that are not as they are. Right. You know, to, to be like, oh, that's not how it's supposed to be. But I could see, God, how you are at work doing something. And now that I can get a glimmer of that, now I want to join you in it. Now I want to now I want to be a, I want to see more of that. Right. It's like I want to see more of that, uh, more of what isn't right now. I want to see more of that. Um, and uh, and right now, man, <laughs> if there's ever a time, dude, where where it is hard to see it, it's mm-hmm. now. I mean, harder than any other time in my ministry, without a doubt. It is harder to look out and see grace. Uh, we see a lot of judgment. We see a lot of pain. We see a lot of brokenness. Uh, we see a lot of division. Uh, we see a lot of things that are just the anti-grace. <laughs> anti-grace. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, graceless, you know. Um, and and that's hard. That's wearing on us. And uh, and so you can either then kind of turn inwardly into a place of despair, um, uh, inwardly into a place of, well, let's just build bigger walls around us to make sure that we don't lose what we have. Right. Um, uh, th- those are all very human tendencies. And believe me, I don't <laughs> I don't fault somebody for feeling that way because I felt that way. Mm. Um, but I think when we when we allow the prophetic. Aspects of of scripture, of Jesus, of of what what can be seen that isn't seen right now, that we don't see with our natural eyes, but that we see through the eyes of faith. Uh, but that we see 
um, in that way, I think, I think that changes how we see the world. Um, and, uh, and, and you, you brought it up, uh, when we were talking beforehand, you know, there's a, there's a new song that we've just sung a couple times at church. I absolutely love it. Um, uh, graves in the gardens. Um, and, uh, and this last Sunday, I didn't make this connection until we were getting ready to talk here today, but, um, I talked about Jesus flipping the tables, right? You know, and and how uh, that was a prophetic act of Jesus to to flip over things, to be in that spot of going, "Hey, this is not how this is supposed to be." What I, what he saw, um, uh, leaning back to Jeremiah, you know, who says, "I'm watching," <laughs> you know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeremiah seven eleven. It's like I'm watching what's happening here, and I'm not happy. Yep. Um, uh, Jesus is in that mode. You know, he's looking at what's happening. And he's going, "I'm not happy." Um, and, and so he flips the tables and it's a flipping of perspective too. It's a flipping of like, it's, it doesn't have to be this way either. Um, there is a different way of it being this way, but it's going to take a step of faith. It's going to take a step of belief and trust. It's going to take a disruption to what you're having right now in order to get there. And, uh, and we're not comfortable with disruption, right? I mean, co- we, we want continuity. We want things to stay the same. I mean, things this is just... They were, which is why the phrase, we've always done it that way. <laughs> That's right. such a default answer. Totally, totally. And, and a very human and normal answer. Yes. Um, so getting outside of that isn't about you and I just doing it better. Um, it's about really listening and leaning into Jesus. How is Jesus doing something different here? How is he calling us to something different? And, uh, and I talked about some of those things that I see him flipping, you know, flipping from a place of, you know, consumerism to connection, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, flipping from membership to discipleship, um, flipping from pessimism to prayer. Yes. Uh, um, from, uh, you know, from, from um, uh, you know, just the, the flips that are happening here. Um, and I think about those, those words from that song, you know, Graves into Gardens. Um, and one of the spots that are in there is Bones into Armies. Yep. Um, and that's also Jeremiah. That's, you know, that's that, that, that prophetic. I think I'm getting that right, aren't I? I think it's Ezekiel. It's Ezekiel. Okay. Never, never mind. Can you edit this part out? Or Ezekiel. Oh, no. I'm putting oh, there we go. Yeah, to use right awesome. now. That's so good. Excellent. So I've decided to put Ezekiel inside of the book of Jeremiah. <laughs> Which is um, a perfect place for it. Of course. It's absolutely. the wheel inside yes. of the wheel. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, nicely done. That is really wow. niche humor right wow. there. It is. It yeah. is. Um, but it's prophetic. Okay. It's in the, in the line of, of the great voices of the prophets. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Um, and, and it's a prophetic act. You know, when we, when we see, uh, when we see, you know, I mean, the, the, the command there to Ezekiel is look at this. Okay. Look, look at what you're seeing here. And what do you see? They're dry bones. You know, I mean, it's dead. That's what the naturalizer is seeing. And I think when we look out into our streets and into our community right now, it breaks my heart to say it, but there's a lot of dry bones out there, man. A lot of dry bones. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm going to get a little emotional here, but uh, it's just reality, man. There's a lot of dry bones um, and they're not just out there. Right. Of course, they're here. They're in us. They're in our own community. And uh, and so to see the dry bones and not just be like, dang, let's just let's scoop them up, put them in boxes and bury them. But that's but that's what we get to do. Um, no, that's not what we get to do, Dan. <laughs> That's, that's not what we get to do. We get to hear the words of our Lord who says, look at them and then see what I'm going to do. See how I'm going to put flesh on those bones. See how I'm going to transform that which is dead and dry and lifeless. And I will transform it 
into life, uh, into and into a movement, into something that that bears my name, my likeness, uh, and my purpose and my mission. That's what my heart is for in this. That's what I mean, and that's it's it's clearer now than it ever was, of what it means to see grace in every corner of our community. It, it, you might be looking out there right now and going, I don't see grace anywhere. Um, I see a lot of dry bones. I see a lot of brokenness inwardly and outwardly. But if we can hear the heart of our shepherd, you know, if we can hear the heart of Jesus that says, see this instead, see, see the grace that I am about to do. See the, the work that I've already done. See it in the lives of these people who seem maybe lifeless in what they're going through right now, but that I want to breathe life into it. And if you can see it, if you can catch a glimmer of it, if you can just see, you know, a sinew, right, <laughs> being right. attached, if you could uh, just see a, a, ligament, a, a uh, ligament being, right, you know, just because the, the imagery in Ezekiel is that too, right? It's not just, bam, all of a sudden it's all fixed. Mm -hmm. it's, it's little pieces. It's a little bit here being, being attached and being connected. If we could see that, that brings us hope. That gives us a sense of God is still at work. His grace is 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 in abundance he's not running out of grace for us he has plenty <laughs> he has plenty and he wants it to be seen we can be a part of seeing it and once you're a part of seeing it it's irresistible god's grace is irresistible anytime you see somebody who who falls into the arms of jesus uh who who comes to that understanding of, of this isn't about me figuring it all out. This isn't about me working harder and trying to be better, but it's about a God who loves me. It's about a God who has redeemed me. It's about a God who's forgiven me. Uh, when we catch a glimpse of that, there's nothing better. There's nothing, nothing better in this world. Uh, and just like in the words of that song, you know, um, uh, th he's the only one who can, right? You know, that's what I love about that chorus, man. You know, uh, it's a powerful chorus. It's like, he's the only one who can. You can't. Nope. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Turns out. Turns out he can. He has. And he will. So let's see it. Let's, let's see it. And where we don't see it, let's pray for it. And let's proclaim it. And, uh, and I, I believe that that's where God is going to allow us to see grace in every corner of our community. That's beautiful. I love it. I love your heart for that. And I know it's genuine, unless you've been a really good faker for two and a half years. <laughs> but uh, one thing I'd appreciate about you is if uh, if you left this church eventually and uh, down the road, nobody remembered your name, but everybody remembered Jesus, you'd be okay with that. I'd be totally okay with that, man. Because <laughs> you're not about making your name great. No. Which, uh, yeah. I think it's probably why we're a good team. I think so. It works out. Um, you've got a... I want to give you a quick chance to pitch yeah. what you're doing in October. Yes. Tuesday evenings. Yeah. And later, um, we intend to have it available online as well, so people can take a look later. But your Closer Look series. Yeah. Uh, and what, what's going on through October? Because some people are like, what the heck is a Lutheran? Yeah, right. I've never been a Lutheran before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is my first church where I've been. I've been a lot of things. Yeah. Never a Lutheran. So I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> right. Uh, but just talk a little bit about what you're doing in uh, yeah. October. Well, uh, this Closer Look series is going to build off of the sermon series on Sundays, uh, which is about a view from here. And uh, we're talking about the Lutheran Lens. 
Um, and uh, and it's a, it's a good terminology. Uh, and again, I didn't come up with this. I stole it from somebody. I don't even know who it was. I don't remember their name. It was and that's me. Good. Of yeah, course. exactly. Again, <laughs> again, of course. Just start crediting uh, them. <laughs> um, but uh, but the beauty of a lens is that it it gives you uh, room to be able to say, hey, there are different lenses. Um, but this is ours. This is this is ours. And what does the Lutheran lens do for us in helping us see Scripture? In helping us see what it's like to be a disciple of Jesus? Um, uh, what it's like to see Jesus himself, um, what it's like to see each other and how we see the world um, and how we see our, our place in the world. Uh, so, so through this sermon series, we're going to be looking at some of the key distinctives of, of our Lutheran lens, um, law and gospel, uh, the theology of the cross, vocation, the priesthood of all believers. And then we're going to wrap it up on Reformation Sunday <laughs> with something that I won't say is distinctively Lutheran. <laughs> right. It's an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, um, which I, I believe in my heart is can be deeply Lutheran. Um, uh, unfortunately, in many the cases, Lutherans know that? I know exactly. In many cases, it's one of those things where they're like, I just really don't even know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately, that was something that was left out of a lot of Lutherans growing up. Mm. Um, but I got exposed to Lutheranism at a later time in life. So so it, it's been kind of deeply steeped in me about what it is to, to embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. So on those Tuesday nights that are kind of wedged in the middle of that, um, the first Tuesday is actually after the second of those sermons. Um, uh, we're going to get together for about 90 minutes. Uh, we're going to do it down in uh, what we call the CMC, our Children's Ministry Center downstairs. Um, and uh, we're going to go more in depth. We're going to take a closer look at these truths, at these distinctives of Lutheranism. And, uh, and we're going to use things like the small catechism, uh, Luther's small catechism. So if you're preparing, if you're interested in coming, hey, it might be helpful to go pull out Luther's small catechism. You can find it online. It's free. It's all over the place. Uh, it's easy enough. It's a short read. Um, but uh, but it also, uh, it does uh, reveal, because this is Luther's writing. I mean, Luther created the small catechism. Um, and he did it for families. He did it as a way for families, actually, to be able to raise up their children. Um, and uh, and so it, it gives an insight into uh, what mattered to to Luther um, uh, and why it should matter to us. Because the best thing about Lutheranism is it's at its best. It's not about Luther at all. Mm. Um, at its best, it's about Jesus alone. It's about faith alone. It's about grace alone. Um, it's about, uh, you know, uh, salvation through Christ alone uh, to the glory of God alone. You know, that. That's what it is at its best. None of those have to mention Luther. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that just to kind of set a framework for, for it because this church still has Lutheran in its name mm-hmm. um, and has a deep, deep history of people who were raised as Lutherans. And there's still many things here that are wonderful and rich about that. Uh, but we live in a day and age where many, many people have had no exposure to these things. Um, and uh, and where they are, are um, valuable, I want to articulate them. Um, and in the places where they're not, I'm perfectly happy forgetting them, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> honestly, right? Yeah. You know, because because uh, that's not what what it's about. Um, uh, so these particular things, those four distinctives, I think are really rich contributions from our our Lutheran theological perspective. Um, and and I think you'll be you'll be blessed if you come and enjoy just some time of teaching, some time of conversation. Uh, we'll have some table discussion around these things, some Q and A. Uh, just to engage on on what this what this is, uh, what it means for us, and uh, and why some of it still matters. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Thanks for 
Thanks for everything. Thanks for uh, thanks for all of the things, <laughs> but especially for this conversation today. Uh, if you are interested in uh, getting to know Pastor, he wants to get to know you. Yes. Yeah. So just let let Linda and Christy at the front desk know. You can call the church. You can mm-hmm. call, set up a meeting, whatever. Absolutely. Because um, I know you love people. Yeah. And it turns out he, lo- he eats lunch every day. So I do. <laughs> maybe you could join him. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks for your time here. Thanks for the invitation, Dan. Well, there he is, ladies and gentlemen. That is Senior Pastor Darren Vick of Community of Grace Lutheran Church. You can reach him at Darren, D-A-R-R-I-N, at gracepeople.church. Or if you want to set up a meeting or lunch or hang out, uh, you can email hello at gracepeople.church and uh, we'll get you set up. Coming up this season, Lord knows what we've got going on, because I sure don't. But we're going to have some exciting characters just like last time. If you have not yet caught up on season one, go do that. You got time. Uh, And over the next months here, we'll keep coming out with new content and uh, see what's going on in White Bear Lake. The Grace People Podcast is brought to you by Community of Grace Lutheran Church. We're a mid-sized church, so if you're like, I don't want something too small or something too big, we're, you know, it's like the Goldilocks situation here. We're, we're just right. So you can come visit us. Also check us out online, gracepeople.live, uh, gracepeople.church. You can get us on Instagram or YouTube, gracepeoplemn. All right, that's enough uh, self-promotion for now. I just wanted to let you know that we are here and uh, love you lots. Looking forward to connecting with you. So let's go get coffee. Shoot me an email, dan at gracepeople.church. Let's go to Anchor, all right? Until next time, this is Dan with Grace People Podcast, exploring grace in every corner of our community, White Bear Lake, Minnesota, and beyond. See you next time.